Welcome to the Grace Fellowship Church of Ephrata podcast. Our desire is to help you grow in your journey with Jesus, no matter where you are. For more information, please check out our website at www.gfchurch.net. Uh, this morning, we have a uh, speaker. Uh, his name is Carl Campbell. I'm going to read his bio real quick, and then I am going to read his scripture uh, for this morning. He's having a little bit of a throat thing, so be really nice to him, okay? I'm looking out for you this morning. But uh, anyway, Carl and his wife, Pam, who is also here, uh, they have served with Wycliffe Bible Translators in Papua. Am I current pronouncing it correct? Papua. Okay, I've heard five different ones for that. But uh, Papua New Guinea, um, and also in Lancaster, PA, uh, they have served in various support roles and retired after 40 years with Wycliffe this past January. So have spent 40 years in service. Carl now serves uh, on the board of directors for Push the Rock. That is a ministry I'm familiar with in PA, uh, or based in PA, and is uh, part of their care team for their missionary staff. He also teaches in the perspective course at LBC, correct? Yes, at LBC, so he helps out over there. Uh, they have three adult boys, two who are married, and one who is single, and four grandchildren. They live in Willow Street. Uh, this morning, Carl's going to come up and share. I'm going to read. If you uh, want to follow along, if you have a Bible, or you can pull up version, John chapter 1, verses 1 through 14, I'm going to be reading out of the ESV. John 1, 1 through 14 says this. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light. The true light, which enlightens everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came, in, uh, came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become the children of God who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And finally, verse 14, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, glory as of the only son from the father, full of grace and truth. Let the Lord bless his word. Carl, would you come on up and share with us? Oh, good. There we go. Good. Among the Yamaleli people of Papua New Guinea, they have a word that they use when they see people, when they greet them. Interestingly enough, though, it's the same word that they use when they say goodbye to them. 
Uh, thank you. So this morning, I say kaiwa, greetings to you. And kaiwa, thank you for allowing me to be a part of your Global Missions Sunday. It's interesting to see all your, your flags and things like that. And then you can see the PowerPoint, why missions? Now you might be thinking, what kind of a question is that? Of course we know what missions is all about. So maybe this is going to be a short message. Maybe it won't be so long. But I want you to think about that. John Piper had a quote. It said, missions exist because worship doesn't. When I heard that statement, it pondered me. And I thought about it for a while. Missions exist because worship doesn't. So I want to unpack that a little bit with you today. Because usually when you think about missions, you think of verses like Matthew chapter 28, verses 19 and 20. There you go. Thank you. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you, and surely I'm with you always to the very ends of the age. We think about that verse a lot, that Jesus is telling his disciples the great commission he gives to us. Or we think of Acts 1.8, where, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Those are the verses we kind of think about as we think about missions. Uh, answers that question about that. In the book of Acts, as we read through the book of Acts, we read about Paul's missionary journeys, where he traveled all throughout Asia, Asia Minor, and giving us the, the accounts of the, of the mission work that he was doing back there. But what about... The church. What is the ultimate goal of the church? As I said about that quote, missions exist because worship doesn't. What he was saying is that missions, although we do it, is not the ultimate goal of the church. Worship is. John, in Revelation chapter 7, verses 9 through 12, he says, After this I looked, and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count from every nation, tribe, people, and language, standing before the throne and in front of the Lamb. They were wearing white robes and were holding palm branches in their hands. And they cried out in a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. All the angels were standing around the throne and around the elders and the four living creatures. They fell down on their faces before the throne and they worshipped God. Worship. Go back to Matthew chapter 28. Before Jesus gives the Great Commission, the disciples came to him and it says they worshipped him. They worshipped him. See, we are created for God's glory. That's what Isaiah tells us, that we were created for God's glory. And worship is giving glory to God. There's a quote coming up on the screen. It says, the richness of worship is fully realized when it's layered with a variety of human instruments simultaneously blending the cultural colors and textures into one glorious anthem of praise to the Almighty. Think of that verse in Revelation. Every tribe, people, every language. Have you ever gone to a place overseas? Or don't have to go overseas. You can just go to a shopping center and, and you hear people speaking in a different language. And you try to listen, but you can't understand it, can you? It doesn't make sense. 
I was able to go on a language survey with one of our translators out to his uh, island. And he was checking with the different dialects to make sure that the New Testament that they were, the language that they were using for the New Testament would be acceptable, that people would understand it. And so night after night, I sat uh, listening to these men talk through this in their language, a language I knew nothing about, didn't understand a word they were saying. But I knew that this was a language that God had given them. And this was a language that God was going to be speaking to them in about worship, about his son, the Lord Jesus. And so I sat there tent, uh, intent to, to hear and to try to understand what they were saying. But it's when all this, this idea of the cultural colors and textures coming together, can you imagine what it will be like in heaven when we have all the ones from the different languages there? Will we be speaking different languages? Will we have all one language? Uh, but I'm sure, just as in the day of Pentecost, as the different languages were spoken, they understood, and that we will understand. But it's God's cultural context, the cultural colors that he is bringing together around the world to worship him. So, again, we ask that question, why missions? Well, the purpose of missions is to invite every person to join in this symphony of praise and worship to God. That's what we want to do. Worship doesn't exist everywhere. Throughout our world, as you look through the world and think, hear news, worship certainly does not exist everywhere. But missions is still needed. It is still a needed thing. People need to hear about Jesus. They need to be, hear about his salvation. They need to have his word. They need to believe in him. And they need to come to that place where they will worship him. John tells us about Jesus in a way that the world needs to hear, a little differently. The passage that Pastor Dan read in our scripture passage, John is talking and he says that Jesus is the light of the world, the true light. John tells us that Jesus was in the beginning with God. He was God. Everything was made by him. Nothing was made that was not made through him. It says he was life, and that life was the light of men. Jesus invited confused and lost people to come to him. He invited his own people, the Jews, and yet they rejected him, did not come to him. So Jesus now invites all people, no matter where they are, no matter what color they are, no matter what sex they are, what age they are, God invites all people to come to him and to become children of God. Missions exist to bring people who are lost and confused to follow Jesus out of their spiritual darkness into his glorious light. They need to know that Christ's light brings us God's presence, God's protection, and God's guidance. Let's look at God's presence. We all need light. Aren't you glad that it's light out here right now? We all need light. What's that? Uh, there's a, that seasonal something disorder where it's a dark all the time and people just can't take that. It's just dark. We all need light. And we are told that Jesus is the light of the world. He is the one who brings light, the true light, into our lives. He came as the light. John the Baptist came. He wasn't the light, but he was there to tear, bear witness of the true light that was coming into the world, the one that would be the life and the light of all men. 
Jesus is the true light that gives light to everyone. And we can walk in the presence of God when we have Christ as our true light. First Peter tells us that he called us out of darkness into his glorious light. Now you think about light, but then think about the word glorious in front of it. The glorious light. You get the pictures. If you read the book of Revelation where it gives us the descriptions of he who sits on the throne, he is surrounded by light. Uh, Light is so important, and Jesus is that light. He lights up our lives. He lights up our world. But we know that when we have Jesus, the true light, we have the presence of God in our lives. What about God's protection? Have you ever found yourself in the dark, so dark that you couldn't see your hand in front of your face? My family and I were in a village, the Tokuma village in Papua New Guinea, where visiting one of our translator teams, and they had given us a little bush house to live in. We had our three boys with us. And so we would uh, spend time with them, and then when it was time to go to bed, we'd go into the bush house. We got our boys settled, put them in their room, and then we got ourselves settled in our room. And as so much happens, one of them cried out in the middle of the night. And so we startled, woke up, and uh, tried to think about, well, let's go and check. It was so dark, as I said, I had my hand in front of my face. I couldn't see it, but I knew it was there because I kept hitting my nose you know, with it to make sure. And so it, we needed to get the flashlight. We got the flashlight, and we went and we found the boys and settled them back down again. But it's that the idea of darkness. If I would have gotten out of bed, crawled out of the mosquito net, tried to make my way to the boys, probably would have stubbed my toe, hurt my feet, all kinds of things. We don't walk in the dark, do we? <laughs> we don't stumble around because we know that we could get hurt. We don't know what's out there. We can't see. In Papua New Guinea and many other places of the world, they, walking at night is not an easy thing for them because they still believe in the spirits. And the spirit world is very true. Sometimes you'll see men, they'll carry their machetes with them as if that's going to do anything against the spirit. But they need something for protection. And God says that he will protect us. He is our protection. The light that he gives us. The light shines in the darkness. And we don't have to see what's going on around us. If we don't have light, we're going to stumble. We're going to hurt ourselves. We can't see in the dark. We become vulnerable. But Christ promises to be with us, to protect us from the spiritual darkness that is in our world. In the book of Ephesians, we have the armor of God that is given to us. And why is it given to us? To protect ourselves against the evil one, against the wickedness that is in this world. And I don't think I need to explain to you or to say to you, do you think the world's wicked? The world is wicked. There's wickedness all throughout the world. Just look at what's going on in the Middle East. Look what's going on in Ukraine and other places around the world, in Maine. Um, wickedness is there. And that's darkness. That's darkness. And Jesus says that he has come to take us out of that darkness. He says that the light shines in the darkness, but the darkness has not understood it. He also says that God is light, and in him there is no darkness at all. If we walk in the light as he is in the light, then we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus his son purifies us or cleanses us from all sins. You see, Jesus wants us to be in fellowship with him, to come to the true light, 
to understand him, to help us to get out of the spiritual darkness that we're in, as well as the physical darkness. But it's that spiritual darkness that he comes. He is light. And it says, as we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we need to walk in him. We need to abide in him. We need to be with him. And then we have God's guidance. One of the many differences between men and women is that men, while driving, don't see the need to stop and ask for directions. <laughs> now, the women folk, they do. And they let us men know that we should probably stop and ask for directions. But we men think we know the way or that it won't be that hard. We'll, we'll get there eventually. But we won't ask for directions. Is that true, men? I see some wives hitting the men <laughs> here uh, with that. And yet, there are people in this world that are lost they don't know the way to go. And they won't ask for help. They won't go to get the help that they need. And Jesus says he is there to protect us. He says in John chapter 14, verse 6, he says, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. So Jesus is there to, to guide us, to help us through this world of darkness, the spiritual darkness that is around us. That's what he's there for. Jesus' words that are in the Bible are words that give us guidance. I've heard it said, Bible, spell it, B-I-B-L-E, basic information before leaving earth. That's what God's word is. It is there to guide us as we transition from this world to our heavenly home. God gives us his guidance through his word that we have it and we can count on it. The psalmist tells us that God's word is a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. He also says that the unfolding of God's word gives light. It gives understanding to the simple. God's word is so precious. And as Pastor Dan had mentioned, we're with, we served with Wycliffe Bible Translators. And when we first were thinking about missions and getting involved, the thing that stood out to us was that what better gift could we give someone than God's word in their own language so that they can come to understand and know who Jesus is to give their lives to him. And so we committed our lives to seeing God's word being translated into the different languages of the, of the world so that they would have that. But we have God's word. How many different versions? Pastor Dan read from the ESV. There's the NLT, the NIV, the King James, the New King James, the Revised, the New American Standard. There's probably 400 different versions or different Bibles that we can get. And yet for millions of people, they don't have a single verse of Scripture in their language. If the blank screen were to come up, that's what their Bible looks like. Nothing. Nothing on it at all. And so we need to have God's word and we need to be in it because it's guidance for us. There was a man in Africa whose name was Gambarami. And he would be in this village, but he would <laughs> roll uh, his tobacco into these pieces of paper, handmade cigarettes. And he would just sit and talk with people as they came in and smoked his cigarettes. There was a translator in his village who was translating God's word into Gambarami's language. And he knew that Gambarami needed to read God's word. 
And so he said something to Gumbram. He said, I, you know, I really, when I get the New Testament finished and printed, we'd like, I don't want you to have a copy of that. And so Gambarami looked at him and honestly said, well, I'm not sure that would be a great idea. I'd probably tear the pages out and use it for my cigarettes. Well, the translator, of course, what do I do? So he thought about it, prayed about it. And so he said, here's what we'll do. And he made an agreement with Gambarami. He said, I'll give you a copy of the New Testament and you can tear out the pages and smoke it, but you have to read it first. Gambarami, again, looking at the New Testament, paper source, says, sounds like a good idea. Fast forward 14 years later, the translator is back in the village. There's an American Bible Society meeting going on, and up on the stage is Gambarami. And so when it came time for him to speak, he referenced this agreement that he had made with a translator many, many years ago. He said, I smoked Matthew, I smoked Mark, I smoked Luke, and I smoked John too. I got to John 3.16, and then I could smoke no more. So instead of smoking the gospel, now Gambarami was sharing the gospel. He came to that place where he understood who Jesus was and that he came to worship him. God's word is precious. We have a gift that God has given to us. Let's not take it for granted. Let's spend our time in God's word as it gives us the guidance that we need. He shows us a way. The unfolding of God's word gives light and it gives understanding to the simple. So knowing that Christ is our light, we can live in his presence, we can live under his protection, and we can live in his guidance as he helps us through that. That's the message of missions. The goal or the purpose of missions is to invite others to come to know the light of the world. Not only to know him, but to worship him. And God's going to find passionate admirers in every diverse people group in the world. But he needs us to be the ones to carry the message. He needs us to be the ones that carry the message to those who need to hear it. To let them know that Jesus is light and in him is no darkness. And they don't need to live in spiritual darkness anymore. They can live in the glorious light with God's protection and guidance. So how are we carrying this message to the world? Well, I can see your flags here. And do, you, or do you have people in all of these or these? A few of them, yeah, yeah. It is great to see that missions exist and that you're involved in missions, involved with this, being a part of that. But what are the things that we really can do? How are we making this happen? How are we carrying the message? How is this church carrying the message? Well, you're doing it in many ways. But the first way, first of all, is praying. Praying for the lost. Pastor Dan talked about praying for the ones that you will support as a church. And I will underscore that in that Missionaries need your prayers. Uh, the cultural things that they go through, the hard times that they go through, it's not always easy uh, for, for missionaries on the field, depending on where they are. And so your prayers are very, very, very important to them. We can always reach out to those. Prayer is a mighty weapon that God has given us. It is a weapon that he has given to us to be, combat the spiritual darkness and the forces of evil that try to attack us, that tempt us. The big, best phrase I ever heard 
about temptation is temptation never sleeps. It never sleeps. It's always going to be there. Temptation will get us. I don't care how old you are. Uh, temptation is always going to come because our enemy knows our weaknesses. But we can pray. We can pray for ourselves, but we can pray for our missionaries. We can be prayer warriors because as we pray, God moves and God does the impossible, but he also does the possible. He's the God of the possible and the God of the impossible. And so we need to come and pray for him. How much time do we spend in prayer, praying for our missionaries, praying for our world, praying for those who are lost? We all can be a part of that. That is something that God calls us to do. The work of missions has a cost to it, though, as well. We can play an important and valuable part by giving of our finances to the outreach of the church as we reach out to ones across the seas or even locally. There is a cost to that. Missionaries are an extension of the church. They are part of you. And so we need to be supporting them, not just with our prayers, but financially as well. They go through tough times. It is not always easy. And so we need to be doing that and understanding that as we invest in them, we're investing in kingdom work. We're investing the work of God throughout the world. As God is bringing believers, ones from darkness into spiritual light, and we can play a part in that by giving of our finances. God enables some of us to give, but he enables us to be a part of that, and he wants us to join into that as well. And then we've been commissioned to go and to make disciples. Matthew chapter 28, Acts 1.8, we're witnesses. We are to go and make disciples. He tells us to, to go, to be witnesses for him where he has placed us. The missions field are in great need of people, personnel. Uh, I don't care what mission organization would come in and talk to you. They would all say, we need more workers. We need ones that will be willing to go and to serve. For some, God calls us to go overseas. For some, God calls us to stay where we are, to be where we are. But it doesn't mean that we sit idle. God doesn't have an age limit on ones to serve him. We have a center down in Waxhaw, North Carolina, where our aviation programs and um, computers, uh, audiovisual, non-print media, different activities and, and trainings go on. It's right, at, right around Charlotte, North Carolina. And sometimes they give tours. People come, they want to tour the center and see what's going on. And so there was one tour that went on, and the people were there listening to the lady give her presentation. She talked about how many New Testaments, uh, how many languages were being entered into uh, each week and how many New Testaments were being completed each week. It was an amazing amount. And just talking about the process of Bible translation and what God was doing. She asked if there were any questions and a man raised his hand and stood up. He says with tears brimming down his eyes, what do you do when you're 85 years old and you just found out about something worth giving your life to? 85 years old. Wanted to be involved. God has no age limits. How many of you ever dreamed about being a missionary? Way when you were young, you know, you had this idea, this is what I'd like to do. And life happened. Kids came. And kind of put it aside. Well, 
Don't give up that dream. God can still use you wherever you are, whatever age. Now, the young kids just went out. But, hey, even with them, there's uh, uh, Child Evangelism Fellowship has these good news clubs in, in our schools. Um, what school district is this? Ephrata. Yeah. Uh, I think there's a chapter here, but I know they, they have them in schools where kids can go and hear Bible stories. They can invite their friends to go with them. They can be witnesses in that. For the high school students, you have events like Meet, Meet Me at the Pole, and there's Young Life groups. There's other ways in which they can get involved. God has no age limits in terms of serving him. He calls us to be a part of this work of missions. But let's think again. Instead of using that word missions, let's think of the word God calls us to bring others to worship him. You know, we talk about coming together here. This is a worship service. But worship goes beyond these walls, doesn't it? We all worship God. We can worship God. We need to worship God. And that's what missions is about. It's about bringing people to come to know the light of the world, to worship him. The goal of missions is the gladness of the peoples in the greatness of God as they come to a place of worshiping God. When this age is over, the countless millions of the redeemed fall on their faces before the throne of God. Missions will be no more. But worship abides forever. But we're not there yet. We're not there yet. There's more work to be done. And God is calling each of us to play a part in this global mission that he has for the world. That the world will come to know that Jesus is the light of the world. That people will come to know that they need to worship God. And God needs to be worshiped. And we need to be bringing people to that place in their lives. Whether it's overseas in one of these countries, whether it's across the street or to your neighbor, as Pastor Dan has mentioned. We all have a part that we can play. And so the question is, what are we doing to make this happen? What are we doing to make this happen? What part is God asking us to play? How is God guiding us in terms of bringing others to the place where we can worship him? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for who you are and for sending your son, the Lord Jesus, to come to earth to redeem us, that we might come to that place where we recognize him as the light of the world and that we can worship him. Father, I pray for this church. I pray for their outreach. I thank you, Father, for the involvement that they are in uh, with others who are spreading your word, trying to get others to come to that place where they would become believers and worshipers. And so, Father, I pray your blessing on the ministry here, the outreach. I pray, Father, for Pastor Dan and the others that are involved in making this uh, all happen here in this church. And so I pray, Father, that you will just bless and use them for your kingdom. And we'll give you the praise for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, that's it for this week. Thank you for joining us. If you would like prayer, you can send your prayer requests into prayer at gfchurch.net and we will pray for you. If you like this message, don't forget to subscribe on the podcast app, Google or Spotify. Give us a follow on Facebook and Instagram. We look forward to seeing you next week.